Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Today we're going to talk about success plans. Everybody knows success plans are this tool that you should have in your arsenal whenever you do value selling, whenever you want to push more value to your customers and you want to maximize value to your customer base. And today I have DJ Tate all the way from India. We'll talk about his special background and why he's here, but he actually recently published a blog about how can you improve the process of creating a success plan? And he called it a mutual success plan. And I really wanted to invite him to the show today to talk about, you know, what are the common mistakes that most customer success managers and salespeople, account managers, account executives are doing as they're working towards a success plan? And what are the, some of the things that we should really be paying attention to when we're building one? And hopefully maybe we can even talk about, you know, the different pieces of what sections, et cetera. But I think that's even less important right now because there's so many templates out there around success plans. If you just Google search success plan templates, you'll probably be able to download something. DJ Tate, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the channel. Thank you, Edith. Thanks for having me here. Can't wait to get started. So, hey, DJ, thank you so much for joining us again. And tell me a little bit about your background. You're actually from India. And when I looked at your background on social media and LinkedIn, it really looks like you're actually coming from a completely different industry. And you have a very data-driven type of experience as a professional before you came to even doing customer success. Tell me a little bit about how that background really helped you get into customer success and also into this specific process of improving success plans. For almost nine years before my foray into corporate, I was working as an empirical researcher in elite scientific institutions in India, as well as in Germany. Specifically, I was involved in uh, evolutionary biology. And what we had going for us was, as part of research, we had to become domain experts we always had to have a data-driven approach to our projects. We were handling projects with multiple stakeholders across geographies, across continents, time zones. And we always had to defend our projects weekly, monthly, in front of the best minds in the world, in front of our directors, bosses, and so on, right? And finally, when I decided to make a lateral transition to corporate, all these soft skills actually stood me in good stead. And uh, here I am. Customer success was my calling, ultimately. That's amazing. So you actually moved from biotechnology into software companies. What made you want to do this transition? So initially, when I was uh, looking for you know this foray, uh, what I was aiming for was an application of my skills in research, in project management, in data-driven decision-making into something where I could make an impact in the real world. And when I was finally applying to these industries, I found that the IT sector was the most amenable for me to make that transition in the most impactful manner possible. So yeah, I was fortunate that way. But yeah, there was a lot of efforts in the background. But yeah, I'm kind of happy that I'm here. Absolutely. And so now, are you yourself creating success plans these days? Yes, absolutely. With all the clients, yes. We are dogfooding our own product basically with any new customer that comes into the pipeline. We use our mutual success plans to create these documents with them and to align with them on their pain points, understand 
their desired outcomes and decide on the matrix. So when you're creating success plan, when the first time somebody asked you to do a success plan, what were some of the things that you found? Okay, not so much. I think this is not working very well. From a personal perspective, I think when I was in the previous life as a customer success manager, we had to collaborate with different stakeholders on different media. For example, with my clients, I was communicating entirely on emails and our communications are obviously on multiple threads or we are working on sharing documents on workspaces. With our management, for example, we are working on CRM tools. And with my internal team, I was working with on emails or teams, or again on CRM, for example, right? What mutual success plans does is it actually converts all of these communications into a single unified view for all your stakeholders across both your client as well as your vendor teams, your own team. And it helps you to effectively collaborate and engage with both internal as well as external stakeholders and creates a shared understanding of your client. That's the mutual success part and drive a plan to, you know, drive those business outcomes. That's the success planning of it. Let's focus on the process itself. Have you changed something in the process? And if so, what did you change in the process? So in the process, I think I have personally become more prescriptive, for example, When it comes to managing certain phases of the customer journey, for example, I'm managing the post-go-life part, for example, the cadence part of it. I think that's where a more prescriptive, a more directorial approach has come into the picture where I'm prescribing to my customers what exactly to focus on at which particular stage. And before that even happens, what I'm trying to do is for every phase of their journey, I'm first of all aligning with them on why we are here, what we aim to do here, What are our goals? How can we become successful in this particular phase of our journey together? And then what are the steps that we need to take? There has been a more programmatic approach, I would say. Are you creating a success plan for each phase in the customer journey? So meaning when they're just starting their onboarding and during onboarding, and then after that, during go live, and then what happens after that? Yes, exactly. So during onboarding or even preceding that, when especially there is a handoff, between my account executive colleague and myself, we collaborate on the mutual success plan. He creates the plan and then shares with me, I have the entire client context in front of me. What were their pain points? What is their business context? What domain they are in? What are they looking for? Why are they looking to engage with us? And then once I have that context, that knowledge transition is accelerated, I create an onboarding plan for my customers. And then I share this plan with these customers. And then on a call, I'm aligning with them on the goals and success criteria for each phase, be it onboarding, be it go live, for example. And once we are gone live, we are, of course, in the cadence part. And cadence part, we are breaking down, for example, into quarterly milestones to begin with. And then each quarter, we are breaking into weekly or bi-weekly touch bases, where we take a very small part of our major milestone. We break it into a small, we have a very reductive approach and then see how far we are from our that milestone, for example. And then we are tracking that on the mutual success plan. And this is not being done by me. The client is actually aligning with me. They are also an equal partner in this collaboration. I really like it because you can actually have pre-onboarding, a list of use cases or accomplishments or business outcomes that they want to achieve. And you could say, all right, there's three phases. We're going to do some of them during onboarding. Make sure you have some successes, what we call first value delivered. 
or time to first value as accelerated as possible. So that's phase one. But then you're going into another phase, which you called cadence. I oftentimes saw a company call it the adoption phase where or expansion phase where we're actually going to take more of those use cases. We initially, you know, with your salesperson even identified that might be important for you or relevant for you. And we're going to continuously contribute to this mutual plan on what are we going to do next way after go live. If I'm a customer success manager, what are some of the things that I could do to improve my success plan process? A, the success plan as a tool, agnostic of which product you're using, should be a differentiator in your customer experience. This is not just a workspace or a worksheet that you're sharing with your customers, for example. B, when you're making that document, you have to be very clear on the client's outcomes. You have to make sure that the document is made in a client-first language. Quite often, we feel that we are customer-centric, but our milestones and our metrics are very are vendor specific, right? So we have to make sure that those success plan metrics are in the language of the customer. They're not only dealing with your uh, DAUs and WAUs, for example, right? The customer is obviously here to solve their pain point. So what I would make, for example, in my previous life data, if I was only designing an Excel file, I would make sure that let's say I had only a worksheet for my um, overview on the, the reasons for client engagement. I should know very precisely on what exactly is the reason that the client wants to engage with my company. And there should be some top three reasons that are validated by the customer himself. And next, in every worksheet, for example, in that Excel file, I would have my individual initiatives. So whether it is onboarding, I would map it out like who is my counterpart on the other side, who all other members, end users, etc., need to be onboarded. So I should have a clear clarity on A, stakeholder management, any documentation that I want to share with them during that onboarding phase, let's say some user manuals, some knowledge base, etc., I should be providing links to them and so on and so forth, right? So basically the idea is that you should have a very clear idea on what each phase looks like and how you are driving that particular part of the journey with your customer. One of the things that I really love about how you do things is that you actually have what are the success criteria for each milestone? Yes, exactly. So you should be very clear on um, why or how you are going to derive those milestones, right? Those KPIs, for example. And those KPIs should be very easily achievable within that particular phase of the customer's journey. So for example, within onboarding, for example, if you have, let's say, a 10% achievement of your final KPI, you should be very clear that we are only going to achieve this thing. And you should have a very accurate plan to only finally achieve that particular outcome. And then you should have some other phases to make sure that your final goal is ultimately achieved. How about reporting around the results and of the efforts put into actualizing the value that was outlined in the success plan? Yeah, exactly. So in this case, for example, uh, you will have a lot of reporting around the planning part of it. So you will know, first of all, you need to know your account health, right? So you will have a direct real-time access to where your project is currently, uh, what all, for example, tasks are due or not. And then within those milestones, for example, you can create tasks which are clearly defining that the XYZ values have been realized. Your POC from the customer team is actually validating that, yes, those particular values were realized. And then 
you are sharing those mutual success plans during your EBRs or QBRs with your exec team. In your blog, you have MBR, QBR, and EBR. Can you explain the difference between the three? If you're holding this, the normal cadence meetings, right, with your POC, let's say a project management from your client side, those are more tactical meetings, right? You're aligning with them on what is the adoption currently? What are the user's pain points? What is the ticketing status? What are the feature requests? How soon are those deliverables going to be implemented on production and so on? On the other hand, the business reviews are with the exec team of your client. And whether you are meeting them on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, you want to align with them only on the end goals that they came to you for. So for example, if it was X percent reduction in sales cycle or Y percent improvement in forecasting accuracy, they want to see at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter, how much of that milestone was achieved. And you need to make sure that the message is passed across. You of course might have some hits or misses. So you need to be very upfront and clear about it on that meeting. And accordingly, you need to drive a plan for the next quarter. That's great. So an MBR would be a monthly business review versus it just depends on the cadence and the quarterly would be a quarterly. And then the EBR would be something that would you, you would do just once a year. They're all the same meeting, just the cadence is different. The cadence is different. And also it depends on how difficult it is for you to achieve those milestones, for example. So if you're dealing with a customer having long sales cycles, then having an MBR would make little sense. Having a QBR or an EBR would obviously make more sense because the meeting ultimately has to have some outcomes also. So it's not just to just meet the people. Of course, that's important to understand their evolving business needs. But you also want to make sure that you're aligning on those metrics, driving the, those outcomes in your next couple of quarters. Absolutely. I think it's really important to decide the cadence. And it's not, it has to do a lot with the success plan and what's the cadence in which you expect to deliver value. Because when you meet with those executives, you actually have to demonstrate some value. Otherwise, don't waste my time in just giving me tactical updates. Exactly. And here in front, in your success plan, everything is right in front of you, right? Even if the exec member is not a part of your ongoing project on a day-to-day basis, the moment you share their plan with them, either online or offline, newly onboarded stakeholder can have a very quick knowledge transition, right? They can immediately see what impact your organization had on their team, for example, and then how far they are from achieving their final goals. There is a very clear cut and very upfront display of uh, value realization and reinforcement of the value delivery that your customer success team is making. Actually, you touched on a really important point because I believe that if you are so wrapped up in just showing only what is the value that was already actualized, already achieved, already delivered, Instead of focusing on what else can we do to maximize the full value, the percentage, like the progress you made into completely accomplishing that goal. And what else can we do to, you know, really achieve the business outcome fully, then you're missing on upsell opportunities. Any tips on how to report on the progress of success plans to executives? Do you actually share the detailed plan? What do you share of the plan in a QBR or an EBR? Yeah, so basically there are two ways. One is just the task management part of it, where directly the manager of customer success or sales or the RVP is dealing with the day-to-day tactical activities of your success planning and making sure that the, the plan is on track. And for example, your exec team from the vendor side would make sure if they want to fast track some deliverables, they can help prevent some uh, you know avoidable escalations. 
in presentations to the exec team what you are going to do is you are actually going to share the entire success plan with them the customer view of it and your value deliveries that is they will be each of them will be designated as tasks and we will be showcasing the percentage milestone hit as a separate task or a separate variable in that particular success plan so it will be very short and succinct for every milestone or for every quarter for example but that in itself will be a shared piece of info that you are sharing with with your exec team from the client side do you have an example of what you're you're planning on using for your renewals or qbrs so right now we are using it only for our monthly cadence for example and for uh, qbrs we are showing them like a mid quarter review for example that we did currently with our prospect where we showed them what was the percentage adoption of uh, their matrix what was their internal business context for example and how soon we could make sure to reach those milestones so we used the milestone details section in the qbr to make sure that yes we had reached up to say x percent of our final goals and then planning on the road ahead so it was the same milestone but we just tweaked our plans to take into account our uh, current uh, reality thank you very much i think this is was really enlightening and i think it's thought provoking around what and how we should approach success plans and make it a lot more transparent not just as you know internally within us but with the customer and then being accountable to all the things we said we're going to do and have agreements around what are the success criteria how we're going to measure success and where we are in the process as we're doing these cadence calls with customers